Welcome to Mind Love, this special bonus episode on equality and racial healing. I'll just sort of break this down. Sympathy says, I feel bad for you because you're a victim. Empathy says, I feel what you're feeling. Compassion says, I see it. I love you. I'm holding space for it. And I'm going to keep my vibration upstairs. And so that is, to me, what is more necessary in this particular space. Keep your vibration upstairs. Do what you need to do. Give what you can give. Don't burn yourself out, but get close to it if you need to. And even if you do burn yourself out, you'll just grow and learn from it. But the point is, is like, be in action. Be in the doing, and it will inform everything else. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi, friends and wild people. First off, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please hit the subscribe button. More subscribers means even better guests and tons more value. Plus, it helps me grow the show so more people can find it. And if you ask me, everyone could use a little more mind love. Today, I'm bringing you a bonus episode that I feel is really needed right now. So episode 135 will actually be next week. I was actually going to post this episode last week, but I decided to sit on it and I'll share with you why in just a minute. But first, I want to speak to my friends in the black community. So first and foremost, I see you and I love you. I know that George Floyd's death brought up a lot of feelings for a lot of us, but for you, there are extra dimensions that I will never understand as a white woman. I am grateful to be living in a time where, collectively, we're listening, most of us are at least, and we're educating ourselves and we're fighting for change. It's been long overdue. I also want to say thank you for those of you who are patient and compassionate with those of us who don't fully grasp your struggle. When you lead and educate with compassion and you meet people where they are, that's when people's walls drop and their defensiveness softens. Not that it's your job to break down walls, but those who are choosing to show up in that way, even when it's frustrating and at times maddening, you are going to inspire change in even the most stubborn hearts. For those of you who are angry and can't show up in that way, your emotions are valid. Feel them. Let them run through you. Process them. And to everyone, we're all going through a lot. And I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way to feel your emotions right now, or ever for that matter. So here's why it took me a little longer to pose this. First, I needed to find my own alignment. I know that if I share information when I'm in fear or confusion or doubt, that's what I'll spread. So it was important for me to be calm and collected and in a place of love. I've also been receiving messages from people and seeing a lot of different messages online, and I wanted a chance to process these so I could talk about them. So I want to address a few things real quick. One of the messages that I'm seeing a lot is that if you're not speaking out or advocating publicly right now, you're part of the problem. Some people might feel differently about this, but I believe that that is unfair. We all approach the world differently. A lot of people still have trouble speaking up for themselves and their own rights as humans, let alone someone else's. So I don't really think it's fair to shame people for that. We're all on our own journeys, and some of the quietest people might be affecting change in a huge way behind the scenes. You just never know the whole story, and it's not any of our places to judge. Another message that I'm seeing is that if you consider yourself a healer or a light worker, don't use the excuse that you're an empath and you're overwhelmed. It's your responsibility to take action right now. No. Listen to your body. If it's sending you a signal to slow down or go inward... Do it. Listen to that inner wisdom. I made this mistake. I thought, this is my duty. I signed up for this. I need to act today. Even though I was going through some personal things, even though I had lived through a trauma that same week, even though a lot of things that I don't want to share right now. So what happened? I broke down. And it's not the first time in the last few months. So just know that if you're going through wild ups and downs right now too, that's okay. You are not alone. I was just sharing on my IG story that last year there were so many times I was so grateful for my growth. I felt like I was just breezing through things that in the past might have really affected me. But that was before my little soul met 2020. (laughs) This has been a wild ride. 
But the point is, you can't stand up for other people if you can barely stand up. So honor yourself. And last, it is not serving anyone to take on collective shame or guilt that you didn't personally earn. And even if you did earn it, we've all made mistakes and you can do more by transforming that shame than carrying it around and letting it weigh you down. I want to share with you a message that I wrote in a recent Morning Mind Love that I think is really relevant here. Here's what it says. Have you ever read a book for the second time and entire chapters felt brand new like you've never even heard them before? We can only receive inspiration when we are a vibrational match for it. You became someone new between the first reading and the second, ready for a whole new message. That's why it's pointless to regret past thoughts and actions. You weren't ready. You can only do better when you truly know better. So here's how that message relates. If you're realizing that there are times when you could have done better, now you know. Now you're receiving that information because you are a vibrational match for it. So you can mull around in your past and keep replaying the same moments over and over again, or you can adjust your behavior and move forward as this new version of you. And yeah, that new version of you might reach out to someone from your past and lend an apology or address a past action so you can release it. But that's different than just letting the shame weigh on you and doing nothing with it. So which of these options do you think will better serve you? And which do you think will better serve your fellow humans and the collective consciousness? You are a valuable piece of existence, divine energy that chose to be here at this very time in our history. So the best thing you can do is take care of yourself. Take care of your own energy so that you can be better guided towards your calling. Okay, so now let's get into the good stuff. I am really excited about today's guest. His name is Preston Smiles. What a great name, right? Preston is a conscious businessman, family man, speaker, and messenger of love. He's also the author of Love Louder, 33 Ways to Amplify Your Life. He has a huge personality, and it's really easy to love this man. He's been posting Instagram videos, sharing some of his stories from the perspective of a black man, and he integrates his own spirituality into his teachings, so I'm really excited for him to enlighten us today. Three key things we will learn are how to be bigger than your ego, how to own it to heal it, and how to develop emotional agility. Before we get started, I want to tell you about the Morning Mind Love. It's totally free to sign up, and when you do, you'll get short, inspiring messages sent to you every single day, right to your inbox. There's a lot going on right now, and if we leave it to chance, it's easy to be overwhelmed with all the negative. And that's why it's so important to intentionally balance all that out with goodness, things that will remind you of your worth and your beauty and how much power you really have in your life. You'll also get some really awesome freebies, like a powerful binaural affirmation meditation and the Mind Love Powerless to help you find clarity and purpose. And it's all completely free. See why over 8,000 people love the morning Mind Love and go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. And now let's welcome Preston Smiles to the show. Thank you. I'm pretty excited to be here. <laughs> First of all, I want to ask you, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, um, I'm in this now moment, I'm, I'm feeling pretty clean and clear and, and also simultaneously aware of a gigantic rebirth that is happening within myself and simultaneously, you know, throughout the entire world if we really want to pull far enough back. And so um, one of the things I'm, I'm really proud of is my emotional agility. I think that a lot of people talk about emotional intelligence, but they don't really have emotional literacy, and therefore they don't have emotional agility. And emotional agility for me is being able to use and allow and accept and embrace and appreciate the five cores emotions being uh, fear, sadness, anger, sexual feelings, and joy, right? Like knowing how to transmute and use and be with those things in a way that doesn't destroy us is what I, I would define as emotional agility. And right now we're in the middle of a pandemic and also another kind of pandemic, uh, which has always been here as far as America is concerned. And it's just coming up to the surface. And I'm 
actually deeply proud of everybody who's showing up and even even really excited for the people who have, you know, let's say taken a step back and not use their platforms to to amplify the love that they speak about, right? And the reason I'm excited is because a lot of people get too big for their britches. And I know this from, you know, by experience. We we all need to be humbled every once in a while and you know, when everything is rainbows and sunshine, it's really neat and cool to post, you know, mindset quotes and say you can do it and be brave. But are you willing to be brave when all hell hits the fan? And um, I think it's it's been a beautiful wake up call for some of the biggest influencers uh, in our space. And also for just a lot of people who are just everyday people recognizing that they've hit their edge because, you know, on the other side of that is all the growth. I totally resonate with that. And as a white woman, I went through a process with all of this. I did see the death of George Floyd and my heart was torn out. I watched that a few times and I cried every single time. It was just like, how can you see somebody crying for their mom like that and not be brought to your knees, right? But then it was interesting because I live in Santa Monica, right in the middle of where the riots happened. And I will say when they happened, I was scared. It was unlike anything I had ever gone through before. There was so much uncertainty. Like, how long is this going to mm-hmm. go on? How many people outside of my window mm-hmm. are armed right now, watching military tanks drive by, being confused as to whether or not I even wanted them there? Because on one hand, the chaos was so out of control. It was like, are you going to do something? On the other hand, it's like, how much power are we bringing in right now? And are we ever going to be able to back out of this? Like, what is happening? Hasn't this country been through enough right now? So in that moment, I was thinking about what was right in front of me. And what I don't agree with are the people online that are saying, if you care about this, you don't care about this on either side of the argument, because that's just not how the brain works. If you know about psychology, I was a suicide and crisis counselor. And what you learn is that when you are in crisis, you don't have the ability to problem solve in the way that you do when you're in a calm state. So you're focusing on what's right in front of you. You don't have the synapses to connect and actually deep problem solve. So I don't think it's fair that people are being called names or that they're insensitive because they care that something they maybe worked their whole lives for was destroyed. And I also think it's important to process that, let it run through your body, and then come back to your values and choose what you want to stand for in this lifetime. So for me personally, I'm glad I went through that process because it really got me to consciously choose to go learn what I didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. (laughs) And there were things that I did know, but I only knew the surface level things. And to really try to see from another person's perspective, try to understand what they've lived through, including ancestral trauma. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of arguments about people not having gone through this themselves or Why are you holding on to these things that your ancestors lived through and you didn't? And it's like, well, first of all, that wasn't all that long ago. You don't think there's still remnants of that mindset that are living here? And second of all, we've had episodes about this. We carry the trauma of our ancestors that is in our bodies. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's it's the quote that I believe Will Smith put up the other day, which is uh, racism isn't new. It's just being filmed. Right. Or, and, and it's hard to turn your back on things and people. And you're right. Uh, we, we, and I'll say we, all have been emotional. The thing that I want to be really clean and clear about is that emotions aren't bad. Um, they just are. And when they are allowed to be fully experienced and expressed, they, they go back to the nothingness from which they came from. My definition of emotions are sensations in and on the body. Now, those emotions can be informed by some of the opinions and thoughts that 
oftentimes turn into beliefs because I we recycle the same thoughts over and over and over and over and over again. And what's been amazing is, and I'm just echoing what you said, and I'm not saying this is particularly you, but for some of my friends who happen to be of lighter skin and present as a white person, what they've had to come to grips with is looking deeper, right? Because there's one, there's one conversation of, oh, they're looting, right? And first of all, we have to ask ourselves, who is the they that's looting? Who was our president referring to when he said those thugs? And what image came up in your head when you heard that? Versus, you know, if you've been following my page, I keep, you know, showing brave you know, souls who happen to be white, who are sharing the deep racism that they either have or, or biases that they have within themselves or their experiencing of their parents or their uncles. And I'm also sharing all of the black peaceful protesters who are stopping the white looters who are creating this sort of chaos because they know, they know that the black people are going to be blamed for that. When the president says thugs, he's not referring to white people. And there's a reason for that. And there's a reason for a lot of it. And that's the thing that we have many people uh, have been able to just ignore because they don't have to ever face off with it. And I I gave my audience an, an opportunity to be educated a little bit by speaking to them about particularly the doll test. Are you familiar with the doll test? Yes, I am. But I'd actually love for you to elaborate on that for the listeners. Well, yeah. Uh, in the 1940s, they did a, a test with little children. I think the children were between like six and eight. And they sat these children down of all ethnicities and backgrounds and races. And, and they put a, two dolls in front of them. One black doll, one white doll. White doll had blue eyes, blonde hair. Black doll was brown, dark hair, dark, uh, uh, all the dark features. And they asked these children, and this is the 40s, which one is the pretty doll? And over and over and over and over and over and over, every kid pointed to the white doll. Then they said, which doll is the good doll? And over and over and over and over, every kid pointed to the white doll. And then they said, which one's the bad doll? Over and over, over and over, no matter what kid, no matter where they were born, pointed to the black doll. Which one's the ugly doll? Black doll. What I, now, now, they repeated this doll test again in, uh, I think it was 2014, 2015, one of those. Same results. Then they did it again, I just found out in 2017. Same results. And I'm sure if you had a child right now, you'd probably find the same results. Now, the question that I want to pose for each and every one of us is how or why did those kids come to that conclusion? And how willing are you to take another look at what you have been possibly sold from the very moment that you got on this earth about your superiority over another group? And what and the many ways in which that plays out now, uh, I'm going to leave space for you because I'm curious of the ways in which you think that is playing out before I give you what I think or how it's happening or what I felt about it as a kid and now. I can't really think of anything more recent, but I remember noticing it when I was younger. First of all, in Disney movies, those are crazy. But then, especially movies in the early 90s, there was always like the yep. token black guy who's a little bit less sophisticated yep. and refined. <laughs> or like horror movies, the one black character often got killed yep. off first. Yes. Um, or even the books we read growing up. Huck Finn, super racist. I know that's censored in a lot of places, but yeah, it's it's kind of everywhere. But I I haven't really noticed it quite as much recently. Bingo. Bingo. So I'm going to just tell you a little story. I think I was eight or nine when uh, I asked my mother, could I have blue contacts? And at that point, I had already fried my hair straight with something called S-curl because I wanted to be more attractive. And my mom being amazing and catching it, she, she asked me why. And I just told her I wanted to, you know, be you know, look better and be able to you know, be liked by all the other kids. And um, when I think about that version of me, the wounded child, right, this nine-year-old little boy who hates himself so much, he hates his beautiful African skin, he hates his beautiful, big, 
luscious lips that Kim Kardashian and everybody else wants to shoot their lips up for. He hates his eyes. He hates his hair. He hates everything about himself. When I think about that nine-year-old, and then I think about everything that I had been taught that was beautiful and amazing and wonderful and smart and how movies and film and television and how Dirty Harry and all the Terminator, uh, G.I. Joe's, Hulk Hogan, Jesus, everything that was good and beautiful, Santa Claus, all of it happened to look a very particular way. And everybody who was dumb or threatening or stupid or mean or a drug dealer or a killer was all portrayed and looked like me. This programming is so deep. Now, the question we have to ask yourself, is any of that actually true or is it a carefully well-crafted narrative by very insecure people who wanted to make sure that they stayed in, and this is, um, I'm going to use the word power here, but perceived power. Because anybody who's experiencing that and, and using that is, is really more in force. And we know the difference between power versus force. Power is life-giving Force is life taking. And what we've been experiencing, and I want to just tell you also a little something. I was talking to some friends the other day, and they said, Well, you know, just like, what is this? And I said, Okay, it's like this. If I call out, if I, if I text 20 of my black friends, men, and I say, How many of you have been spit on, profiled, had a gun pulled on you, kicked by the police, or called a nigger? All 20 would say yes. And then I could send another text and say, say yes again. If it's happened more than 20 times, all of them would say yes, self-included. Then, then if you ask those 20 to text or call 20 other guys who also look like us, all 20 of those guys and the guys they know and the guys they know would all say the same thing. We've all had that experience. And yet most of us don't talk about it publicly because we're told and made to feel like we are some whiny victims. And so while the narrative is that we are beasts and rapists and killers and, and not good enough and not smart enough and all of the other things, the truth behind it is, right? I keep hearing this narrative, black people just want handouts and they're lazy. Tell that to the millions, millions of, of beautiful, strong, powerhouse black women and men who work six to seven jobs just to barely get by like my parents did. Yes, I'm a millionaire. And, I, and, and what happens is people say, Preston, you're an exception to the rule, right? Their projections don't allow them to see that I'm not an exception to the rule. I am like everybody else, just with a little more money. Because guess what? People still cross the street. And I'm talking pre-COVID in my neighborhood. They still clinch their purses. They still call the police on me. They still have all those things come up and I'm rich. Can you imagine what that experience is like? We, all we have to do is look at the numbers. And yet many people don't want to allow this into their space. And I understand why it's a heavy thing to sit with. And yet I'm proud of you and, and the many other allies who have stepped forward and said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to use whatever megaphone I have, whatever opportunity I have to bring and educate people. Because when this Amy Cooper woman, she is a symptom, right? When she, when she did what she did, which was a weapon, her, her, she knew by saying a black man is threatening her that she could get him killed. And we can go a little bit further. When the little girl was selling waters in New York two years ago, and the woman called the police on her, right? What are we saying about entrepreneurship? Meanwhile, you go through any white neighborhood and the little kids have their lemonade stand and everybody's happy to to contribute. But the little black girl is selling waters, doing the same thing, and she's a criminal and you need to, she needs a permit to sell waters. This is a nine-year-old little girl. What are we doing? What are we saying to her? And there are millions of examples of that. And so when 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 people have their projections, I I this is why black people get so upset. It's like if you only knew how much I carry on a day-to-day -day basis. If you you wouldn't even have half of the energy to operate and be paid less and to be feared and seen as a threat and an enemy in a country that you were brought to, right? People ask me quite often, and I'm, I'm going to stop in a second, but people ask me, you know, 
Preston Smiles. I love that name. Is that your, your birth name? Is that your given name? And I say, it's the name I gave myself. I was born Preston Davis, but we have to ask ourselves, where does Davis come from? It comes from rape. That's where it comes from. It comes from rape. My name wouldn't be Davis. My, 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 my family is from Nigeria. My ancestors came from there. So it wouldn't be Davis. And so uh, there's a lot to this subject. And I just want to thank you for even just opening it up because I know that it's heavy. And anybody listening, just keep stepping in the room. You know, I'm, in a, I'm married. And, and one of the things that I promise myself is every time we get into an argument or whatever the case may be, I just keep stepping in the room. And what, by that, I mean, I keep opening my heart emotionally every time I want to close it, every time I want to run, every, one, every time I want to turn my back and say, this is too hard. And so I'm challenging each and every one of you to keep stepping in the room. Open your heart, see the humanity and ask yourself if, this, if these were my kids, if this was me, would I want somebody to show up no matter what? Would I want somebody to inconvenience some of their privileged lives for them to say enough is enough? That's all I got for right now. So like I said before, I had my first reaction and then I used that to check in with myself and say, all right, what do I want to stand for? What am I not seeing? And how do I develop compassion for all that's going on? So I love to see every single side of an argument. And so I got down and just started educating myself. In the last few days, I've watched the 13th documentary. I've read half of how to be an anti-racist. I have listened to the whole 1619 podcast. I listened to a podcast with Brene Brown and Ibram Kendi. So needless to say, my eyes have been opened to things that I did not see before. And when I have knowledge like that, I have a hard time not sharing it. And this is the conversation that's on the forefront these days. So it's coming up a lot and I'm getting some pushback, especially from people in the older generation. And first of all, it is exhausting. <laughs> I've only been at this a couple of days, so I can't imagine what it would be like to have these conversations come up my whole life and be defending my own identity. So that's just one thing I think that is important for people to realize how frustrating it can be, how triggering it can be. I know we all have instances, for example, with our moms where it's like there's certain things where something will come up and I snap and my husband's like, well, that was kind of an overreaction. And I'm like, well, I've, I've been dealing with the same topic with her for my whole life. And those are with dumb little things usually. So for something this deep and this identity driven, that alone just gives me so much compassion and my heart bursts open for anyone having to deal with that. And another thing that really hit me over the last few days is most people who listen to this podcast know how much I say that it's your self-beliefs that really change your life. What you believe about yourself, how you experience yourself determines how you experience the world. So if there are these subconscious programmings, especially from when a lot of us were younger and we start to view one race in a certain way, the black community is getting programmed with those same messages, meaning that they're viewing themselves in a certain way, which makes it even harder to get out of this cycle. Not saying it's impossible. We see that people do it all the time, but it's like an extra layer of resistance and it's self-resistance, which is even more difficult than trying to work your way up in a system that may have biases. And so I, I do want to bring up some of the things that I've been getting pushback on, because like I said, I am new to this, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are new to speaking up about this particular issue as well. So one thing that has come up a few different times, and I keep seeing online, is that so many people feel, well, we've already done things to balance it out. We have affirmative action and we have all these black only programs and there's scholarships. So it's what's really holding them back is victim mentality. And I try to explain with the self-belief thing and what have you, but I am curious, how do you approach that in a kind and loving way that helps people see what they're not seeing rather than just push them further onto their side of the argument? <laughs> Yeah, that's a, it's a tough one. And you, you hit the nail on the head. Like you, you can escape back into your world and I never get to turn off this black skin. 
Um, so, uh, you know, on top of educating and supporting people and understanding spiritual laws and principles and all of that, you know, it's, it's, it's an added layer. And, and what I say to this is the most important thing that anybody could possibly do as an ally to this humanitarian issue we are dealing with all together now, finally, um, is be willing to take arrows, be willing to sit in the discomfort and not be liked in order to potentially help somebody break through some of their own hatred and biases. So given so an example, and I just posted this on my Instagram, uh, there's a little girl who is obviously she's been arguing with her parents about all of this and she hits record. You know, it's this like TikTok generation where so she's recording herself and you can hear her dad in the background saying all these black people just want hands out handouts and they're lazy and X, Y and Z and all this stuff. And she's she's barking back. You know, she's brave enough to say, Dad, that's not even close to true. There's, and the reason why they're in the situation they're in today is because of systematic racism, right? For instance, this pandemic has produced something called PPP loans that are being given to small businesses. Well, if you look at statistically who got them over who most white people got them over other small black business owners, that's not per chance, right? In the 1980s, and this is still happening uh, based off of something called redlining, which I, I, I challenge all of you guys to just to type in redlining in Google and educate yourself on what that is. And I experienced it firsthand. Uh, the school, high school I went to had almost no books. The teachers hated it. Um, it wasn't taken care of. We didn't have water polo and, you know, groundskeepers and all of that stuff. And, and therefore, you know, it's very hard to rise to low expectations. So the very setup of the entire thing was for us not to do well. And meanwhile, when I went to a different high school down the street, and they draw the city lines like that to make sure that the blacks stay with the blacks and the whites stay with the whites, those teachers were paid more. Their facilities were uh, 10 times better. The, they had more funding for everything. And therefore, they had computers and things like that when we did not, right? But going back to my challenge and request, if you are a lighter skinned presenting person and you have a heart for any of this, the, one of the best gifts you could give is when you hear your brother, cousin, neighbor, best friend, or whoever slide out that racist joke, even if it's about Mexicans or Muslims, just challenge it. Ask them a powerful question. Say, hey, where do you think you got that? And is it possible that it isn't true? Is it possible that everything you are projecting onto them is really you? Is it possible that you're so insecure because somebody dated your, your ex-girlfriend who happened to be black that you've made up this whole thing? That, to me, will shift this whole thing. Because until people are willing to call out their friends and their parents and their uncles at Thanksgiving, we'll never actually get on the other side because there's only so much that we can do. And we're only 13% of the population. And yet we are 2.5 times more likely to be killed by the police. Right? And that's just one statistic. Uh, if you, if you look deeper, black women die in the hospital after childbirth more than any other race. And it's for one reason, it's because nobody believes them and nobody cares about them. And so a part of any of this, I do workshops with my wife and a lot of those workshops are based in trauma. And we invite people to share some of their deepest, darkest, biggest secrets. And a lot of times, if we have 80 people in the room, 65 of them have been molested or raped and oftentimes molested or raped multiple times by family members uh, and then by some guy at a party or the first time they drink, uh, they got raped and got pregnant or whatever the case may be. And in those workshops, often what we'll do is give them the, the space and the container to reset their parasynthetic nervous system by saying all the things, right? If they didn't talk, if they didn't say no, I say, say no, tell them never again. You will never touch me again. And, and we allow them to reset the nervous system so that they have space 
so that they have energetic space because the body is a living library that stores everything that we've ever been through. And so many of us have experienced some of the deepest traumas you could possibly think of and never truly faced off with them. We compartmentalize them. We push them away. We justify them. We say, I'll make up a different story and therefore it'll go away. No, 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 no. We must feel this to heal this. And so feel it. Keep stepping back in the room. Open your heart. Be, be brave enough to be the stuff you talk about on Instagram. Be brave enough to call a spade a spade because it's, it, we're all hurting to a degree, right? We, 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 there's been a lack of leadership. And what's beautiful is that people like myself and like yourself have stepped forward and said, I'll take it. You know, I have so many people reaching out to me saying, P, are you okay? You're doing a lot. You're holding a lot. Yes, I am. Why? Because I've built a somatic body that can hold more. And this has been years. I'm always training. I'm always working. Because I understand that this isn't just about me. If it's just about me, I can quit. If it's just about me, when I'm tired, I'll walk away. But when I understand that there are people suffering every single day, there are people committing slow suicides every single day. Most of those racist white dudes who are jacking off to porn and keeping the sex trafficking rings alive, those guys are hurting really bad, which is why I created Man Cave. And now we're doing Man Cave Junior, which is 11 to 13 year olds, right? We're going to heal this thing at every level we possibly can. I created a program called Amplify about helping, especially women, that's who comes in, helping them raise their vibration and, and truly look at the things that they haven't been willing to look at, making those calls, leaning in, doing the work. Because the work, and you know this because you've been in this and you've been doing this, it never ends, but it gets easier, right? I, I see why you're going to bed at six because you haven't built a body that can hold this yet. But yet is the key word. This is a beautiful time, and I'm deeply grateful for not only you, Melissa, but everybody who has been attracted to you, anybody who's come into your space, because you know our vibe attracts our tribe. I don't believe in a, in a evil human. I believe in people being so off track that some of the worst aspects of themselves come forward. But nobody's too far gone. If they're on this planet, it could be healed, and it could be healed through love. And sometimes love is messy and ugly and dirty, but it always, in all ways, gets the job done. I really resonated with a lot of that. I was raped and I haven't processed it in that way. I've had other methods that have definitely moved me forward and gotten me to where I am today, but maybe that way is needed. And I will say I have built the ability to grow through things, to look at my suffering and turn it into something positive. I am pretty good at that. And now I see myself as building the ability to have these deep conversations about race without worrying so much if I'm going to mess up or just expecting that I am going to mess up and being okay with the discomfort that that causes. And I was listening to an episode of Brene Brown with Ibram Kendi, and they were talking about shame because that's Brene's thing. And also, I think it really applies to right now because people are feeling it on both sides. And one of the things she said that resonated was there's a difference between feeling shame and being shamed. And I think this is important because it does take a lot of dropping of the ego in order to look at your past and see where you may have been able to do better and actually make those changes moving forward. Well, I'd be lying if I said that people aren't being shamed right now. They are. And there are things that I don't really agree with. However, I choose to zoom out and look at the bigger picture. And I also understand human psychology. So I don't necessarily fault the people that are shaming. And I don't necessarily fault the people that are making missteps with good intentions. And so one example of this is the black square. I know a bunch of people, myself included, that jumped on that bandwagon of posting the black square for Blackout Tuesday. Many of us accidentally posted the hashtag of Black Lives Matter. We didn't realize that that's then taking away from that hashtag. And then after that, with good intentions, because it seemed like that was what everyone was doing, then all of a sudden people are saying, like, white people, you can't just post this black square and, and you've never done anything before and you'll probably never do something in the future. And I got that. I got that. Some people took that as being shamed and thought, I can't do anything right. I chose to recognize that as we're already in a point of frustration. People may not be voicing things as eloquently or as 
empathetically as they could. And so I just decided to reroute. I removed my black square because that is what felt right to me. And instead, I decided to start highlighting voices in the black community that I think had a valuable message to share. And again, I was able to see a path through and my next action because I decided to go back to my values. What do I want to stand for? And I was inspired to do that. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this because, oh my gosh, I did this big thing. It was a very small thing. However, I think it's really important to ground yourself. Wait until you feel in alignment, until you feel in your own body instead of in this feeling of fear or in shame. And that's when you get these pieces of inspiration and what to do next or how you feel called to support this. And so I'm still going through that process right now. So for listeners out there who are feeling called to support, don't know where to start, are afraid to do the wrong thing, I think that's the most helpful thing is to figure out, go back to your values, figure out what your mission is right now and see if you can find a way to help that's in line with that. It'll make it a lot less scary to do the wrong thing. It'll make it easier to get on board for a while, not just for when it's trendy. And you'll feel really good and aligned while you're doing it. What I'm also seeing though, is there is a lot of shame being thrown back and forth. And what I see, what I'm worried about is that it's furthering the divide. I don't blame either side. There are people that are royally screwing up. There are people that are not even trying to see another side. There are people that are standing their ground, not even seeing how their viewpoints might be tinted with racism, programmed racism. And then there's another side that maybe people are coming from emotion or they have a bunch of experiences that cause them to be really angry about this and they're lashing out. And so what I'm seeing in a lot of my friends that are outside of the black community is that they're sinking into feelings of guilt and shame, even if they're not doing anything, maybe for not speaking up or for just being born white and their white privilege that they're carrying around like a burden right now. And for me, at least in a spiritual sense, I don't see that as healthy. I don't see that as being able to raise the collective of anybody if we're allowing ourselves to sink there. Instead, maybe we should learn from that shame and use it to reroute or see if we can transform that shame into something more productive. So I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on that? And what do you say to someone who might be feeling this really heavily and they're having trouble moving through it Especially if it's these feelings that are holding people back from taking action or doing something to move forward or make a real difference. Yeah, 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 for sure. There is a such thing as healthy shame, right? But then there's, there's toxic shame, which is usually a fundamental belief that there's something wrong with me as a being. Um, healthy shame is a beautiful thing. Um, just like there's healthy envy. Right? The little kid that sees his brother, you know, open the door has envy for wanting to open the door and therefore works in a particular way to, to have that same thing happen. Or the baby who sees the people walking is envious of the walking. Right. Um, so I want to start with the distinction that there is healthy shame and uh, it is important sometimes for us to feel some of that. However, not to live there. Right. It's OK to visit. But don't don't set up camp. Don't build a house there uh, because compassion for me. And I'll just sort of break this down. Sympathy says I feel bad for you because you're a victim. Empathy says I feel what you're feeling. Compassion says I I I see it. I love you. I'm holding space for it. And I'm going to keep my vibration upstairs. And so that is to me what is more necessary in this particular space. Keep your vibration upstairs. Do what you need to do. Give what you can give. Don't burn yourself out, but get close to it if you need to. And even if you do burn yourself out, you'll just grow and learn from it. But the point is, is like, be in action. Be, be in the doing, and it will inform everything else. No, no black people want you to just walk around feeling pity and shame. We don't need your pity and we don't need your shame. What we need is for you to step forward and say, Hey, I got a message from a big influencer uh, last week who said, and she wrote a nice comment on my thing, and then she DM'd me. And in the DM, she said, hey, I got to admit something. I've never told anybody this, but I was in Ibiza, and I was walking down the street, 
uh, home and the first group that came behind me was a group of white guys and I sort of looked and then I just kept walking and she said about 10 minutes later uh, a group of black guys who were from London well-dressed well-spoken came up behind me and I got so scared and my body took over that I ran and started crying and she was like I, I, I've never been hurt by a black person I've never had any reason to have that come up but I felt so much shame around it and I never admitted it and I was proud of her for admitting it to me, but I thought it would have been much more powerful to admit it to her 183,000 people who probably have similar stories because we cannot get on the other side of this until we actually own that we have been there. And it's okay if you've clinched up when you've seen beautiful chocolate men like me. It's okay if you've also felt sexual feelings when you see beautiful chocolate men like me. Let's stop like denying what is there and, and, and face off with it because we can't do anything until we actually truly look at it, right? Each and every one of us is a world into ourselves. And until we are able to really look at the world, we can't do anything about it. So I had an experience in my 20s that is now acting as this really deep contrast I had gone through a few years of traumas. I was spiraling. I didn't really value my life. And I ended up in a relationship with this guy. This was right about at the point where my rock bottom was culminating. So it was one of those situations where it was slow manipulation. He was cheating on me and I just kept trying to prove my worth. He was secretly doing meth, which I found out about. He had a gambling addiction. And I was so wrapped up in it that I didn't see a lot of different things that were happening right in front of me. One of those things was he was secretly robbing houses. This guy robbed over 50 houses while we were together. And I won't even get into the details of how long of a story this is and how it affected my life. However, the part that is a contrast to me is that this guy who stole millions of dollars worth of things from 40 to 50 homes got two strikes and time served for the time he went straight to rehab because he was able to afford a really good attorney. And so essentially, right after rehab, he went to a sober living home, which I actually moved to LA to get away from him, which he followed me, moved into a sober living home down the street from me, and tormented me for a couple of years. He threw a brick through my windshield. He broke into my home while I was sleeping. It was terrifying. I had to move again, actually. Not the point. Well, he continued to rob houses and then he was arrested. He already had two strikes on his record and he only got 11 years in prison and he actually got out in seven. I mean, this guy stole everything from some people and he got caught multiple times and that was his punishment. If that was a black man, there is absolutely no way he wouldn't be in jail for his entire life especially the second time he got caught. And those two times weren't even the only times he got caught for things. He actually recently got out of jail, which was really jarring for me to say the least because I had just come to the point where I could process it all and then I got a message from him. Well, he has a job now, good for him, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know if a black man would be able to find a job above minimum wage. I can't help but think that he's getting the benefit of the doubt because he was well-educated. He always dressed nice. He came from a good family. But he did a lot of harm to a lot of people and was not held to the same standards as a black man would be. Not even close. I, I know people in jail right now with, with like they smoked weed, right? And, and it's like they throw the book at them. This is it's a stark difference, and it has been. Uh, you know, it's the conversation of is the system broken or was the system set up this way? And I think it's the latter. It was set up for us to be in this position. I am 40 years old. And I remember and I know I look like I'm 20 something. But uh, I remember when um, rap music was conscious. And then all of a sudden, it turned to full fledged gangster rap. And right at that same time, right before they somehow helicopters worth of crack cocaine from Nicaragua were making their way into every black neighborhood it possibly could, right? This goes back to like how, because I don't know many black people with helicopters who can go from Nicaragua and get it over. Somebody's helping this happen. And, and then somebody's signing the checks of the gangster rappers. And then you look at private prisons and what happened right after that. 
Like, oh, we can make more money enslaving them this way. So let's change their entertainment and their music. We're already screwing them with Disney and all the other stuff. But this conscious rap, let's push this out. Let's start record labels. Let's take over this thing. And let's make sure that the little kids like Preston don't look up to anybody other than a gangster rapper so that he repeats the pattern, does one thing, steals from a liquor store, does some stupid thing, drinks and drives at 16 years old, and we will throw him to the wolves. And the moment we throw him to the wolves, he'll, we'll have him for the rest of his life. We'll break up. We'll make sure he never has a family. And if he does, we'll make sure his kids never experience him so that they repeat the pattern and cycle, cycles, cycles. And it continues and continues and continues. So yes, you are pretty on the money with that. And we all know it. It's just most other people don't, which is why black people have to be 10 times more careful, work 10 times harder to even be perceived as somebody who's a gift to society when we know, in fact, we actually are. So I wanted to address another thing that keeps coming up. So as I said, I educated myself from a lot of sources and will continue to do so. But whenever I'm going and discussing something that has another side, I like to know what's being said on both sides. And I've seen a lot of brave young people posting videos of conversations with their parents and the pushback that they're receiving with them and just the viewpoint that some people might have a difficult time seeing. And one thing that makes it complicated is that there's a lot of videos out there from people in the black community that have a differing point of view on the Black Lives Matter movement, on if their communities actually oppress. And I get it. I think that there's going to be an entire spectrum of beliefs, no matter what an argument is and no matter what your skin color or your culture or whatever is. I mean, there are people that look at the treatment of women in India that think it's appalling. And then there's people that, including women, that completely support it. So I get that there's a whole spectrum. But I'm curious, how do you respond to those things? How do you respond when somebody from the black community is sticking up for the current system and saying that there's not a problem and saying that people need to move out of victim mentality? So yeah, what are your thoughts and feelings? Yeah. So if you understand uh, slavery and then just pull far enough back and ask yourself if we can't do it. If, if I'm a person who wants slaves and I want to hurt people and I want to control them and I want them to build America and I want America to be great again, a.k.a. I want it to be how it used to be. And I can't just outwardly murder them or have them work for free. I can do it through the police, but I need more. Then as a slave master, what I would do is I would rape one of those women or many of them. They would have children. And their children would be lighter skin. The lighter skinned or the slaves who listened to the master the best got to live in the house and get the scraps after the, de the, the, the white guests ate. They get the scraps, they get better clothes, and so they get better treatment. And by that better treatment, what would then happen is, is they would tell the master what the other slaves were doing and planning as far as how to free and liberate themselves. And so let's just... Fast forward to 2020, where there are people who are paid. Like, I know which videos you've been sent. I've seen the same ones. I know who those people are, and I know who signs their checks. Those people are paid a lot of money to have that opinion because it reinforces the idea that there's nothing that needs to change. It's just these victim, lowly, handout, broken, terrible, beastly black people who made all of this up. That's what that's that's the narrative that those people are putting forward. And so those twins and the woman named Candace and the few people that you've been sent are uh, in not so PC terms, house niggas. And they are being used to justify 450 years of repression through any means necessary. Do you, you, people don't even know about the 60s. They don't even like, do you know that the CIA and the FBI admit to framing Martin Luther King? They knew and just so happened to not be anywhere around when Malcolm X was shot and killed. Although every other speech, they were there. This one, somehow, some way, not there so that they could not stop him being murdered. 
Huey P. P. Newton, all of the black leaders, they assassinated, they set them up, they framed them. This is our government. And so if you trust the government, which I do not, and you know why I don't? Because McDonald's exists. You know why I don't? Because alcohol is easily inaccessible. You know why I don't? Because most Americans are absolutely obese and the government knows it and they don't care. They allow sugar and all kinds of drugs to permeate and penetrate our entire existence. Big Pharma, we can go, the list could go on. If you are anywhere close to aware of how the government doesn't have your back, then ask yourself, what do they think about black people? And is, it, is this potentially about population control? Is this about getting rid of some people? Do they know something we don't? What about those bunkers being built underground? What about all the things, the secret deals? They're controlling the narrative and they're paying off some, some weak, bamboozled humans who only are operating from their own personal experience without allowing themselves to pull far enough back to see how they're being played. This is chess and they're playing checkers. I mean, I don't doubt that at all. <laughs> I know that there are all sides of the spectrum to this belief too, but there's a lot of unveiling that I've done when I first became vegan, when I was looking into how our food industry works, when I was then looking into the pharmaceutical industry and vaccinations and all these things that is really deterring to even look into because if you're only doing a surface level search, there's so much propaganda to make you seem crazy for going beyond it that people are afraid to identify with that group. They don't want to be the crazy one. They don't want to be the one with the tinfoil hat on. But there's also plenty of conspiracies that people were called crazy for that turned out to just be fact. And when you even look at just how things are run, you can see that there's something deeper going on. So how far you want to take that, I don't judge anybody for their beliefs or their suspicions or whatever. I don't even like the term conspiracy theory. I say it's an alternative theory because I don't think there should be any term for deterring people from questioning something that affects their body, their lives, their families, or this country. I am sorry. You can fight me on that if you're listening and you're appalled that I'm going to think deeper than the surface level, but come on, y'all. You should know me by now. Well, I also know and understand people who don't want to look into things because... On one hand, ignorance is bliss, or they don't really know what to believe because it's hard. <laughs> it really is hard figuring things out and determining where you stand when there's so much misinformation on either side. And so I know a lot of people who are like, I'm just going to focus on what's right in front of me so I can do my good work. I can focus on my mission. And I do agree with that in some cases. So it just depends on what's right for you. I believe in following your inspiration. If you are taking action in a vibration of fear that is an urge to control the situation. But if you can stop and ground yourself first and then look into whatever you feel inspired to look into from a place of love and understanding, you will yield different results. And one thing that I've found while looking into this, yes, there's things that are appalling. And the level of compassion that you feel when you consciously choose to lift another up, to find equality in our humanity, to understand that we are all connected. So when one suffers, we all suffer. When you rise, we all rise. It all is connected. And so what I found while going through the process is just how much less fear I felt and how much more love that I felt even in the chaos, even in the uncertainty of how this is all going to play out. I just felt a sense of love and unity with the people around me. And I do this even with the people who are acting in a way that I don't necessarily agree with right now, because I think there is beauty to at least attempting to understand somebody else's point of view. And we will never fully understand somebody else's point of view because their point of views are shaped by their unique experiences and beliefs about the world that we will never be able to step into. So whether it's trying to understand as much as you can or choosing to just accept that people are going to be exactly opposite of you and not letting that interfere with the work that you want to do or what you want to leave here is just really, really important. But first, find your groundedness, find your center, make sure you're aligned and then act because the energy that you are in when you are 
acting is the energy that you will spread. So if you're doing all this stuff just in a place of fear, you're going to spread more fear. And even your good actions will not be as impactful as they could because you're coming from a place of fear. So that's just something I think is really important to remember. And it is a sensitive time. If you're choosing to act, you might say the wrong thing. And just remember that those little moments of discomfort that you feel they're all periods of growth. And it's really nothing to the lifetime potentially of discomfort that some people have felt or the, the unexpected moments that, that racism comes out in an environment that you wouldn't think it would be. So I do challenge you from that place of inspiration to push yourselves a little bit, to go beyond your comfort zone in any situation. And so Preston, I just want to say thank you so much for coming and sharing your wisdom and your life experience and helping people to, you know, see this through a little bit more of a spiritual lens, because I think that's really important right now. So I'm just wondering, is there anything that you want to leave listeners with today? First things first, I, I want to say also thank you and I appreciate you and, and, and thank you for your voice and your heart and your willingness to uh, get a little uncomfortable for the sake of something bigger than yourself. You know, uh, I, I, anybody who's a parent, and I'm sure there's some of you out there, and I'm not sure if you are, uh, Melissa, um, but there's a, there's a second gear. There's like an extra energy that's possible when it's, when it's your kids. And I want to challenge all of us to know that everybody's somebody's baby, right? Everybody's somebody's baby. Everybody is somebody's little chunk ball that they kissed and hugged and loved on and woke up in the middle of the night and walked around, you know, at three in the morning trying to get them back to sleep and tucked them in and read them stories and taught them about the birds and the bees. Everybody is somebody's baby. And so I want to leave you with uh, a quote that I wrote uh, quite a while back, which is love will find a way. Everything else will find an excuse. Today, find a way. All the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash anti-racism. So a few final words. From a spiritual perspective, all of our struggles are equal. It might not seem that way from our limited perspective in these human bodies, but I don't make the spiritual principles. I just live by them. Yes, we can never truly understand each other's struggles. One person might have a wound so deep that a breakup of a short relationship creates lasting scars while someone else has back-to-back -back traumas and seems almost unscathed. But we're all on different journeys and we really can't judge. So let's stop comparing each other's traumas and let's just start healing our own. I wanna send my love to anyone out there struggling. I know that we have gone through a lot, like I said in the beginning of this podcast. I have had some pretty wild ups and downs. So if there are days that you feel like you are not okay, know that I am right there with you. I always like to say the difference between me now and me when my early 20s is now I have the tools to work through all this. But just because I have the tools doesn't mean that I don't feel broken sometimes. Doesn't mean that I don't have to have that trigger of feeling like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this or I don't know if I even want to be doing this right now. But I will say that every time I reach in my toolbox and move through it without just numbing it out, not only do I feel a sense of pride, but I feel stronger. I can feel the resilience building. I can also feel extra layers of empathy because now I've gone through one more thing that I can relate on some scale to someone else for. I think a lot of people that are drawn to this podcast are also healers or light workers. Even if you're not living in it yet, it might just be that you are the healer or light worker for one person in your life right now. It's all the same. We are all equal no matter what we are doing with our lives. Doesn't matter what skin color you have. It doesn't matter if you're living on the streets right now. We are all equal. You, no matter who you are, are just as worthy as Oprah. That's just how it is. So anyways, if you are a healer or a light worker or an empath or just a really sensitive person or just a person, honestly, we're going through so much. Even the toughest people I know are having moments of struggle right now, but it is a lot. So take breaks when you need it. Go inward, cut off media and social media. Right now we are in a fear spiral of media whether it's to get clicks, whether it's a deeper agenda, 
All you have to do is look at the trending topics on Twitter to realize they do not have our best interests at heart. They're mostly fear-driven headlines. I have gotten sucked into the point of social media addiction through this lockdown, especially because I have not been using any of the other things that I've slightly numbed from. I am doing no wine, which if you listen to this for a while, you know I love my wine. Well, I'm feeling as though it might not be serving me anymore, so I'm taking an extended break and really rethinking my relationship with it forever. So I'll keep you posted on that one. But that means that my feelings feel even deeper because I don't have anywhere to go to avoid them. So if you are feeling this, know that you are not alone. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. Honestly, I've been loving just having real conversations with no judgment and just connecting human to human. So I'd love to chat with you there. Also new and exciting. I just launched Mind Love Premium. A lot's changed for most podcasters. Given the state of the economy, a lot of sponsors have pulled out. So if Mind Love means something to you, please consider supporting Mind Love Premium. Not only will you get early release episodes, so you'll get next week's episode already. You get ad-free listening experience. You get exclusive content which means even more Mind Love episodes. You get free meditations. And most exciting, I have a special tier of the membership called the Inner Circle, where we will actually have virtual events coming together, having facilitated discussions, sharing what's on our hearts, and really making friends of a high vibe community. So I really hope to see you guys in there. Go to mindlove.com slash premium to find out more. And otherwise, thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.